This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's a regret that you have and why? One of my regret is sometimes not listening to myself or my conscience because I tend to do that a lot and then I regret it later because a lot of things that happened since I was little to now are like, oh, I should have listened to myself back then, which is one, is my relationship kind because that kind of brought my downfall. Last semester kind of affects school and whatnot, but I felt that sometimes just go with the moment which most of the time don't really end up well and that I did regret. Previously in Greater Boston. Dear Dipshit, I hope you remember you were once a good person and can be again. The suspect's name is Powell. Isaiah Powell. There's no situation on God's green earth where my Isaiah did this. You know he's innocent. My Isaiah is innocent. You know. I'm sorry. I don't know. I'm not sure I can do this anymore. Redline. Arlington. Uh, Dorchester. Uh, Wellesley. Lowell. Redline. Uh, Rosalindale. Andover. Framingham. This is. This is. This is. This is. Greater Boston. This week in Greater Boston, episode 23, on the advice of Mary Wollstonecraft. For the first time since he started working for Third Sight Media, dipshit Paletti dreaded going to work on Monday morning. He couldn't quite put his finger on why. Something had changed in him within the last couple of weeks. Something that felt like a gnawing ache in his stomach. He hadn't even been able to enjoy the commune's traditional Sunday night bean curd stew, which had been prepared by Fox Fossil, the best cook out of all 17 of them. He always baked lentil biscuits to accompany the feast. But through the entire meal, Dipshit's stomach ached to the point of extreme nausea. The office was empty when he arrived. Not a single person was present. It didn't take him long to figure out why. There had been a memo emailed over the weekend. Dipshit didn't believe in environmentally wasteful electricity, so he did not believe in electronic mail, preferring the traditional methods of postal couriered hand delivery, or pneumatic tubes. The tubes were one of the reasons he'd been attracted to Third Sight in the first place. And now the tubes were part of what he dreaded the most. But that wasn't quite right. It wasn't everything. There was more to his general workplace dread. A company memo had come down the tube just for him. The publisher knew Dipshit wouldn't receive the email, so the tube was waiting for him inside his office, explaining that Third Sight would be closed starting today, and for the immediate future, scheduled to reopen within the week. 
There was unplanned extermination scheduled for the upstairs offices. Dipshit understood that was the real reason why the offices were closed. He knew. And yet, he couldn't help feeling like there was a bigger reason why people weren't at the office. It was because of him. It was because nobody liked him. He slumped down in his chair and sighed. And that's when another tube arrived. He took out the note and read it. No man chooses evil because he is. No man chooses evil because he is evil. He only mistakes it for happiness. He only mistakes it for happiness. The good he seeks. The good he seeks. It's her! It's Mary Wollstonecraft! I hear you! Can you hear me? This is so exciting! I had no idea it was you up there! You've been away for so long, I thought you had forgotten me. Please, grant me the wisdom I've so sorely missed. Oh! You don't have to be rude about it. It's blank. I, I don't I don't understand. What does this mean? No man chooses evil because he is evil. He only mistakes it for happiness, the good he seeks. Please, help me understand. I, I think... I think I know what you're trying to tell me, but but it never felt like a choice. It, it was just... it was just work. It was... just... work. Dipshit leaned back in his ergonomic chair and thought about the decisions he'd made. He leaned back so much he fell out of the chair, and that's when it occurred to him. The last time he remembered being advised by Mary Wollstonecraft was right around the time he had been promoted and began taking the guidance of another spiritual advisor, one sending word down from above. That spiritual advisor had led him seriously astray, to the point where he'd been abandoning his ideals all silly-willy-nilly. I was wrong. I I see that now. I was wrong about a great number of things. Please, help me correct it. Tell me what I must do to atone. And right on cue... Mary Wollstonecraft sent instructions for atonement down the tube. Hi, I I wasn't expecting... Um, Melissa's gone dealing with this whole... uh, Sorry, come in. I was just having a cup of tea. I've been on the phone nonstop since the whole thing... Can I get you something? My nephew. What? You can get me my nephew. I, uh... Isaiah, right? Don't Don't act so surprised. They arrested him. All according to your plan. At the scene of the crime, his student ID, a nice touch, given the nature of our first conversation. Fingerprints literally all over the device that spilled the beans, so to speak. I don't... Stop. Stop talking. Do you hear my voice right now? Do you hear how measured and controlled it is? Do you hear how low and composed it is? How cold and pointed it sounds? It's bristling against the edge of irritation. Do you have any idea how maddening it is 
to need to practice not being too angry. Forcing your emotions into a funnel until they sharpen to a point so you don't come off sounding too crazy. People see me getting angry and they get certain ideas. Even you. When I first walked into your office, you know what your face told me? Here's someone with an agenda. She's got an angle. She's going to play it. Tell me I'm wrong. Lie to me and I'll see right through it. One thing about people who constantly need to suppress our anger, we can read lies like Bible Psalms on a billboard. No, you're, you're not wrong. And I don't know why you're angry, but you're right. You have more reason to be angry than I do and less opportunities to express it. And for that, I'm sorry. Isabel, I promise you, I'm not your enemy. Whatever you think I did... They took Isaiah. Your... Your men, your goons. They pinned this idiotic big bean business on him. Do you understand me? They think it's him. Forgive me if I don't completely buy the fact that you have nothing to do with it. It wouldn't be the first time someone like you had a personal stake in pinning a crime on someone like me. Do you really think that little of me? (laughs) Yes, I do. I truly, truly do. And the funny thing is, I just told you why. I just laid it all out for you, plain as a sunny day. Do you think I enjoy talking to you about this stuff? Do you think the day I walked in here, I was, what, gloating? I have a life outside my own race, you know. I've won awards for my knitting. I've placed people in homes they never dreamed they could afford. I've watched every episode of Star Trek in existence. Even that dumb, damn cartoon they used to show. Even that Scott Bakula Enterprise garbage, every single one. I've got a happy birthday to you voice message from Nichelle Nichols. I've got Gene Roddenberry's autograph. I've met Ricardo Montalban. That man gave me a kiss on the cheek. Long before Star Trek II, I'm talking 1989, back after the motion picture completely bombed when Trekker fandom was at one of its lowest points in our history. Nicholas Meyer knew my name, and I bet you don't even know who the hell that is. I don't. This isn't fun for me. All this work I do. It's survival. And the sick part? I can't get in your face and scream at you about how wrong it all is. I'm not allowed to do that. Because as obvious as it is to me how wrong it's been for so long, I start acting on those natural human impulses, and then people start to get ideas. Start finding all sorts of, quote, legitimate excuses, unquote. And there's my nephew. Better than me, better than all of us. He was trying to protect me. Do you know that? He gets caught up in this mess simply because, uh, because... Uh, Are you okay? Don't touch me. I'm sorry. You really... You didn't know, did you? I'm hearing this for the first time. Like I said, when I came in here, I was was completely just giving up, shutting down. I've had enough. 
I turned the phones off if I knew how. I don't know what to do anymore, Isabel. I... It'd be easier if I didn't believe you. It'd be so much easier if you... Having someone to direct this at... That's what I need. But it doesn't matter, Charlotte. It doesn't matter anymore. I don't know what to do about this either. But I know what I can do. And what I will do. Whatever I can to free Isaiah. You have 24 hours to release him. Release him? Or what? Or your problems get worse. I want to help you. You understand that, right? Like, if it's as easy as me walking into the jail and saying... And where is that jail located again? If it's as easy as me releasing him, I will, but I'm not above the law. Oh, please. That's not how this works. When you're married, you think you're just going to... I will do what is right. That's all I've ever asked you to do. It's just that your version of right don't line up with mine. Because it's never had to. It's never been necessary. 24 hours. Isabel, whatever you're planning, how do you know this isn't exactly what they want? They who? They, whoever did this. (laughs) Because they don't know who they messing with. Excuse me, can you... Hang on a second. Uh, Don't we have any other place for processing? City lockup's all there is? The mayor thought it was best if suspects weren't on the train. Ridiculous. All right, uh, what can I do for you? Gemma. What the hell are you doing here? I have come to turn myself in, so I don't have time to fraternize with former colleagues. I request the presence of a red-line peace officer, so I may atone for my crimes and cleanse my spirit on the advice of my beloved spiritual advisor. Don't you have a star chart for this sort of thing, Panda Bear? Dipshit. Look at you. Getting a little fight in you now, huh? It's not bad, Armageddon Man, or whatever the fuck your name is right this second. And if you're looking to confess, you can confess to me. But do it quickly, because I'm up to my tits today, and I don't have time for the inane ramblings of some hippy-dippy new-age yahoo. You? Confess to you? Isn't that what you wanted to do? What kind of crime did you commit? Rip your horoscope in half? You mean to tell me you are a redline peace officer? Something like that. I'm the chair of the City Enforcement Oversight Committee. Well, in that case, redline must be positively obese with villainous rogues, scoundrels, and malefactors. Why would you... It's a surprise. The trains even run at all with the amount of crime they must need to carry on their backs if you're the one meant to keep them in line. You honestly think I have a problem keeping people in line? No, I think you have a problem doing your job. This coming from the guy who spent his days at Third Sight doing nothing but writing letters to HR. Either changing your name again or complaining about me not taking your umpteenth name change seriously. I'll admit it. I reported you to Tyrell. But it was never about your gross incompetence or obscene job negligence. I let all that go. I assumed we all walked different spiritual paths on our way to embrace the glory of the Ascended Eye. Your path was just long, confused, twisted. It was a stupid job. And the only path I was on was the one that went out the door. I see. And that's why you worked there for 20 years? 
Listen, you walking celery stalk in J. Crew outlet clothes. I did not care about Third Sight in the slightest. Not once. Never. And do I regret that? Do I regret how long I let myself work there? Absolutely. But I walked away learning something from that experience. I learned I need to fight for what I value. And that means I'm fighting for Redline, because as fucked as this entire city is, it was started in earnest. It was started by someone who wanted to do good. I can't say the same about Third Sight, because I never got the sense that it was about anything other than making bullshit predictions to placate starry-eyed corn cobs who felt their problems could be solved by writing a letter to some muttonhead exploitive boob like you. Or you. Yes! Or me! You got me! I wasn't good at it because there was nothing good about it. But that's changed. If that's the case, why am I not in custody by now? Uh, because, because I, you haven't... You don't even have my name down for your report yet. Fine. What is it? Nuclear Ned? Destruction Dave? Calamity Jane? Dipshit. Stop calling me that. I'm not. Although under the circumstances, it may be appropriate. Dipshit Paletti is my legal name and has been for over three weeks. Oh, wow. Three weeks. Is that a new record? Wait, wait a second. Wow, I'm I'm sorry. That took a bit to sink in. Dipshit? Dipshit? Correct. Is it? Is it Christmas? Am I on one of those reality shows with a hidden camera? (laughs) You really... You. Ah, why? Why? Why would you do that? I allowed Third Sight employees (laughs) to vote on my new name... I lied and said Mary Wollstonecraft had advised me to hold this demonstration of workplace democracy. The truth was, I didn't realize people disliked me to the degree they clearly do. I was hoping for something different, maybe some positive reinforcements. Perhaps something like Great Editor Paletti, or Passionate Paletti, or Sustainable Paletti. God damn it. It's too sad for me to make fun of. Okay, dipshit, what did you do? I engaged in a criminal conspiracy called The Lottery that specifically targeted Redline in an effort to cause confusion, disorder, and fear throughout the city and its citizens. You. Dipshit. You're the lottery? Not me specifically, but I was certainly a part of it. What part of it? First, I was a courier of information, spreading plans for lottery attacks from every active participant. I'm also personally responsible for the molasses, tea, and baked beans incidents that put several lives in danger, although I was acting under the request of my employer. Your employer put you up to this? That's correct. The publisher? Yes. You're telling me the owner and publisher of Third Sight Media is directly responsible for the lottery attacks? Yes. What's their name? I can't tell you that. Because you don't know? Because I need assurances. I'm owning up to these crimes on the condition that the man you wrongly arrested in the aftermath of the baked bean wedding disaster is set free. Is that why you're confessing? Yes. Why don't I believe you? Because you never have about anything. Not my spiritual beliefs, my name changes. Yeah, because all of that was nothing but hot and fresh horse shit. But one thing I never doubted was your sincerity. You're gravely mistaken. As I mentioned before, I'm confessing on the advice of my spiritual advisor, Mary Wollstonecraft, who had been 
terribly silent for far too long, but has since awoken within me and persuaded me to atone for my sins. And she's a voice in your head, right? Her communication methods are vast and mysterious. I once heard her guidance in the form of whispers, which sprung from the burst bubbles of my weekly cleanse. Ugh, TMI, dipshit. In this case, however, she used the pneumatic tubes at third sight to pass on the glory of her personal scripture. She talked to you in the tubes? The same tubes the publisher uses? Correct. You're a fall guy, dipshit. You're being set up. I'm guessing that's why you don't know the big bad boss's name. I suspected the same at first, but then I figured, if the publisher were using me in such a fashion, why would they implicate themselves, even obliquely? And that's when Ms. Wollstonecraft told me the publisher's name, as if sensing my brief heretic doubt. She asked me to keep it close for the time being. It's a bargaining chip. I'll release it once you release him. Him being... Isaiah Powell, the true fall guy in this whole ordeal. There's hard evidence linking Isaiah Powell with the baked bean disaster. Evidence I planted. Why? It was an effort to provide a fall guy, as you said, while also tarnishing the reputation of Isaiah's aunt, Isabel Powell. Do you have any hard evidence that corroborates any of this information? Witnesses, even. I do not. Okay. So supposing I believe you, and I still have my doubts, why would you do this? What's your motive? Uh, I was... I was living up to my new name. Oliver had warned Nika not to come to the Third Side offices long ago, stressing the necessity of distance in order for their plans to run smoothly. She didn't really care about that anymore. There was a sign on the door that said Third Sight was closed. Nika ignored it and snuck into the building using a service elevator. The office was eerily quiet. No sound but the quiet hum of unused electronics and her feet creeping over that crappy turquoise carpeting. She found Michael's desk and opened a drawer and there was... the puzzle box? The one she'd thrown into the night long ago. It was sitting on a stack of letters and packages, all addressed to Leon. From Dimitri. Ah. There was a pneumatic tube jutting out from the wall next to Michael's desk. A sign read publisher, accompanied by an arrow standing straight up. Just like what happened when she'd come here for that dumb seance. Inside the tube was a cylinder with a note. She opened it and instantly freaked. Big time freaked. No. It was addressed to her from Leon, saying he didn't have much time, but, but stressing that Michael was in trouble. Leon hoped to have a plan to save him, but it wasn't perfect, no, and... this... this can't be right. This can't be right. It was some kind of cruel joke. A prank. How dare anyone do something like... like that... to her. She threw the tube against the wall, grabbed the letters and the puzzle box, and fled Third Sight Media, running into a strange woman milling around the parking lot. Oh, excuse, excuse me, I, uh... Do you, do you work there? I'm looking for Michael Tate? He's, uh, it, 
They're closed. Okay, but could you tell me anything about, a uh, dipshit Paletti? What? Yeah, I just, um... Um, sorry, I have, um, I have a photography appointment. That's oddly specific. Michael was nowhere to be found, and she couldn't face Mallory yet. She hadn't meant to hurt her. Hadn't meant to hurt Louisa. Louisa, she could talk to her. But why didn't she want to? Louisa had been nothing but kind to her. Nika wondered if Louisa was still wearing an eye patch. No, that was just for a couple of weeks. It, it was a little sensitive to light thanks to some scratching the leaves did. The eye doctor said it's totally fine now. What's been going on with you? Well, I went looking for Michael, and I, I haven't been able to find him. <sighs> yeah, I'm really worried about him. We've been talking pretty regularly, and I haven't heard from him in over a week. I, I, I checked the wreckage, you know, at Porter, and there haven't been any deaths reported, thank goodness. And, and Michael's kind of been MIA for days before the Bean incident, but with that happening and him being gone, I... I, I don't think he's gone, not like gone, gone, but I... I think he might be in trouble. What makes you say that? Just just a feeling, I guess. Nika, is everything okay? No. But before I tell you what's wrong, I, I need to ask you a huge favor. Whatever I tell you needs to be a secret just between you and me. Can can you promise that? Uh, sure, I, I guess. Do you... Do you remember when I came to your place to wait for Leon to show up because he'd been scheduling stuff into your calendar? We we waited, and then there was just some guy in a, a beekeeper outfit singing some Bug Nuts Thank You song? Yeah, I, I remember. That was the last time you saw me. Did you ever think about me after that? D- uh, did you wonder how I was doing, what I was up to, how I was getting along? D- did you think about me at all? Nika, I, I, I mean, after Redline happened and I got dragged into that, I, I had barely any time to think for myself. Well, you told me you were going to find out who was impersonating my brother. I, and and I did. It, it was Michael. I, I mean, he wasn't really impersonating. He was just. But you he, never told me that. You you didn't share that with me. You you just started hanging out with Michael. You're right. I, you're you're right. I I'm sorry. It, it's okay. It's it's okay. Um. I'm really only asking you as a, a way to try to explain. Af- after I left you that day, I kind of I kind of freaked out a bit, kind of broke down. I was heading towards my open mic night and I had this whole monologue planned and it was all about what I was thinking and feeling about Leon and about Dimitri and about that kid on the red line that almost died. The the one the pregnant lady saved. I, I could have saved him. Should have saved him, but I I didn't. I just stood there. And I was thinking about the monologue on the train on the way to the Someday Cafe, and then the next thing I knew, I was giving the monologue to the commuters, to everyone. I, uh, I can't explain it. But the open mic night, it, it just, it felt like too safe a place too familiar. People knew knew me. That that wouldn't do. I felt I felt like this ball was in my stomach, this 
big, heavy medicine ball wrapped in barbed wire, and it was weighing me down and cutting me up and making me numb, and I needed people, strangers, to feel that pain. I, I needed them to. I needed to make them as uncomfortable as I felt. So I, I got in their faces. I, I tried to take that pain and shove it under their noses. Most of them turned up their music and stared at their phones. So I, I kept doing it. I, I did it for weeks, Louisa. I, I thought maybe I was going crazy and the more people ignored me, the angrier I got. And the more I hated them, the more, the more I hated myself. Ignoring people was the whole problem. Dimitri ignored me. I ignored that poor kid on the train. I, I wanted to help him. I wanted nothing more, but I just, I couldn't. And now here I was letting everyone see what was going on inside me. And nobody cared. The only thing that happened was that they booted me off the trains. Wherever I went, wherever I planned to go, that same level of complete indifference. I was inconvenient to people. I was a nuisance. And nobody cared. Not a single soul. That's all I wanted. And I know I could have gone to see Michael. And I know I could have gone to see you and tell you that I needed help. But I shouldn't have had to. It was so obvious that I needed help. I made it as obvious as possible. Obnoxiously obvious. And that's, that's when someone finally did notice. Somebody saw me. And saw what I was going through and gave me what I really needed. Order, planning, and structure. I, 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 I don't know what to say. I, I'm sorry I didn't notice your pain, Nika. I, I, I think the people who did may have not said anything because they were scared. Yeah. Who was it? Who, who helped you? It doesn't matter. All that matters is that I'm responsible for the lottery. All of the pranks, even the one that hurt your eye, it was me. No. Yes. I didn't think it would hurt you or hurt anyone. I thought it would, I thought it would force people to think a bit, or, or not think, but feel. Even if that feeling was annoyance, inconvenience, even a little bit of pain. I couldn't understand how they could just ride those trains and see people everywhere who are so clearly confused and hurting and just ignore them. The man who noticed me, he's a lot like Leon. He believes in planning, in order, in keeping a tight schedule. With Leon gone, I, I needed that. And I wanted... To I wanted to do something to make people feel a little bit more like I do all the time. The way I hate to feel. So that's what I did. I, 
I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even sure how to process all of this, but there's one thing I can tell you. Whoever put you up to this, he is nothing like Leon, Nika. Nothing. Leon had his quirks. He had his problems. He may have even been extremely OCD, but he would never... He's do- not here! It doesn't matter what he would have done or how he would have behaved. I know this guy isn't Leon, but I needed someone, and he was the only one who cared. He was the... He was the only one who... I, I care, Nika. Just because I didn't look for you doesn't mean I didn't care. I, I just I, I, I just didn't know. I had no idea. I wasn't on those trains. You weren't in my face. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe I should have known something was up with you at my place. You, you didn't seem... But I didn't know. I, I wasn't sure if we were... It's okay. You're right. I've been incredibly selfish. And it really only makes me hate myself more. Everything, uh, all, all that I've done, it only adds to that. I chose to do all of this, and, and that only makes it worse. I want, I want to get well. I know I need help. I think you need to tell someone other than me. I can't, I can't do that yet. Nika. I mean, I think you're right. I think I will. I, I just, give me some, give me some time, okay? Okay. And stay with me in the meantime. Okay. And we need to help Michael. Uh, Okay. Why the lottery? Because that's what it felt like. When someone finally noticed. When someone finally seemed to care. Like winning the lottery. Hey, uh, hey there, Mallory. How you holding up? I know you're not supposed to have any visitors and stuff, but I know the guy working security, he used to work eyewitness protection for us. And when you know it, one of the nurses went to college with me. Go oranges. It, uh, it sure was something else, wasn't it? Quite the mess. So much going on, I wasn't even completely aware of it, to be honest. They always say weddings are a blur, but, uh, this one, this one takes the cake. They told me about you, though. They said you did whatever you could to, to salvage it. You saved all those birds, protected them. Anyway, Andy and I are off to honeymoon in Barcelona soon, and I know it sounds cheesy, but I, I told him I needed to maybe catch the later flight, pay my respects, and say thanks, you know? Do you want to tell me what happened? Your side of things? You know, for old time's sake? I don't want to talk about it.
Greater Boston is written and produced by Alexander Danner and Jeff Van Driesen, with recording and technical assistance from Mark Harmon. Good news! We now have official Greater Boston merchandise. You can get Greater Boston posters illustrated by the voice of Leon Stamatis himself, Braden Lamb. Or coffee mugs featuring Braden's poster art, or Mallory's immortal line, The Willow Lark Fucks a Scone by Moonlight. Or postcards featuring fan art of the Stamatis siblings illustrated by Grace Parker. All of that is available through our shop at greaterbostonshow.com. In order of appearance, this episode featured Alexander Danner as the narrator, Braden Lamb as Leon Stamatis, James Capobianco as Dipshit Paletti, Summer Unsin as Charlotte Linzer Coolidge, Jessica Washington as Isabel Powell, Lydia Anderson as Gemma Linzer Coolidge, Kelly McCabe as Nika Stamatis, Julia Propp as Luisa Alvarez, Jeff Van Driesen as Chuck Octagon, and Joanna Bodnick as Mallory. Interviews recorded with Greater Boston Residents. Charlie on the MTA is performed by Emily Peterson and Dirk Tiedy. Drive the Cold Winter Away, performed by Adrienne Howard, Emily Peterson, and Dirk Tiedy. Archibald McDonald of Kepuck, performed by Dirk Tiedy. Some sound effects and music used from public domain and Creative Commons sources. Episode transcripts will be posted online at greaterbostonshow.com, and you can follow us on Twitter at InGreaterBoston. Bacula and Montalban. Yes. You guys watch weird stuff. <laughs> it's just Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. Now, the good Scott Bakula show was the one where he jumped back in time to... That was Quantum Leap. Yeah, to save people's lives. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. Are you emotionally exhausted? Do you have strong feelings about authoritarian power structures? Have you ever stared up at the night sky and felt tiny and alone? If so, ask your doctor about Wolf 359, the award-winning sci-fi audio fiction podcast by Kinda Evil Genius Productions. Side effects may include strange genetic experiments, unreliable AI systems, the potential discovery of alien life, and toothpaste. Find Wolf 359 wherever you listen to podcasts and visit wolf359.fm to learn more.